Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Thank you. Wow. Thank you so much. Bless you. Wow. Gosh. I love this place. Wow. If I, if I lived here in Cambridge, you know, this, the, earlier this morning, I wasn't quite sure where I was. I do know. I, I know. I'm in Cambridge. I asked, is this a city? Well, I mean, it's a stupid thing to ask. Did I, I did ask that, didn't I? It's part of no, it's absolutely brilliant to be. The presence of God is so thick in here. And if, you, if this is your first time in a place like this, you, you might have been wondering, wow, the coffee must be really strong in this place. <laughs> but I want to tell you, it's the presence of God, the Holy Spirit. And his presence is his power. You know, heaven, uh, this, this, this building was full of the sounds of heaven. In heaven, there's going to be the sounds of laughter resounding. You know, no more weeping. You know, that'll be the, the last time you've heard anyone cry or weep will be on this earth. Because in heaven, there's no weeping. It's just joy and laughter. Can you imagine that? It's going to be amazing. Anyway, I, uh, I shared a story um, in the first service about when I was in Albania just recently. I have the privilege of pioneering a ministry called Healing on the Streets. And um, I, I'm sorry I don't have any books. They're all sold out. And there was la- the last two that I had went, went to, in the earlier service. So I'm going to tell you a story from the book. But uh, I was in Albania uh, earlier this year. And one of the privilege I have is pioneering a ministry called Healing on the Streets. And just to give you an example of what it's like, it's a, it's a simple model. We have a banner that says healing. It's 5.3 meters high by a meter wide you'd have to be blind not to see a, a, a banner like that. I mean, you can see it a mile away. And if you can't see it, we, we bring chairs out, and we, let, we stretch the chairs out, and we invite people to come. And if they're blind and can't see, we invite them to sit, and we'll pray for their eyes to be healed. And we've seen blind eyes open. It's amazing. And uh, we, it's a, a je- very gentle ministry, and we gently lead people over time uh, towards Jesus. People are far away from God. We're leading them into relationship um, with Jesus. And along the way, they can get healed. And we've seen thousands of people healed. This ministry is spreading all over the world now. And we've seen thousands healed and thousands coming to know Jesus. It's, It's truly amazing to be part of. And the presence of God that floods the area is incredible. So we're in uh, Tirana in Albania, and we launched Healing on the Streets there in this um, uh, square, which is a residential square overlooked by flats. And um, it's kind of part of the culture there that in the evening the families come out and they all meet in the square and the children play there and they sit in the seating all the way around the square. And um, it's a love, it's a really, it's a really beautiful atmosphere. And um, we set up and I've never seen anything like this before. And the Spirit of God came and people coming to the chairs are being healed. It's all amazing miracles of healing. And so many people opening their hearts up to Jesus. Well, there's one um, lovely girl from the local church. She'd been only being a Christian for three months, but had, and was formerly a Muslim, but had such a hunger for God. And she says to me, Mark, do I, uh, do I have a problem? I said, what, what, what's up? She says, well, I, um, I can't stop weeping in the presence of God. I said, hey, no, you, you need to speak to my wife, Linda. She was called the weep, my weeping wife because every time she got in the presence of God, she would weep. Not tears of sadness, no, but she just could feel the heart of God and God is love. And when you, when you are in the presence of God and he's revealing his heart to you, there's so much healing that's taking place. And, and my wife would just weep every time. And they must have thought I was a really cruel husband, you know. But, um, and I say, Gustian, no, you're in the right place and don't, don't try and stop that. You just allow God to do that. He's showing his love to you, showing his heart to you. And she's so hungry for God. She said, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Can you, can you please pray for me? I said, sure. She says, says, when? I said, now. 
So in the street, on the chair, in full view of everybody, she sits in the chair, we kneel. And part, one of the ways we minister is we kneel on the ground. And it's like we're washing the feet of our community. It's a very gentle ministry. We began to pray, invite the Holy Spirit to come. And the presence of God uh, rested on, she, she begins to be filled with the Holy Spirit, she begins to shake. And anyway, there's a woman walking by, and she's compelled to stop and watch. And when Christiana, we finish praying for her and she's full of the Holy Spirit, she gets off the chair and this woman just comes and sits in the chair and she tells us this story. She said, I was walking by, I was compelled to stop and watch. And as I was watching, this um, intense, this intense energy, that's trying to remember the words, she said, this intense energy came from you and struck me. And I'm like, wow, what, what is that intense energy? And as I watched that woman who uh, you were praying for, um, or what it looked like you were praying for, whatever she has and whatever she's received, I knew I needed. Uh, what, what, what is that intense energy? And I laughed. I said, well, that intense energy has a name. He is the Holy Spirit of God. And, he, uh, and that intense energy is the power of the Holy Spirit that Gustiana was being filled with. And I said, have you ever heard of Jesus? And within a minute, I began to share this wonderful gospel message, the message, the beautiful message of Jesus who, who um, died for our sins. And, and um, the moment she began to hear this message, she began to weep. And she began to sob. And as I told her the, the story, that Jesus came and died for her in order that she may have life in all its fullness and eternal life in the one to come. And I made an invitation that if she wanted to open her heart, if she wanted to open her heart up to Jesus and follow him. And she just nodded. She couldn't speak. She just sobbed all the time. And so I began to lead her into a relationship with God. And all she could do was weep as she did that. And I said, now that intense energy, the Holy Spirit of God is going to fill you. And she just sobbed. And as she was being filled with the Holy Spirit, as light entered, darkness began to escape. And she's getting delivered. As she's, as she's being filled, she's getting delivered at the same time. Just absolutely wonderful to see. It's amazing. His presence is his power. And I've been seeing his presence. I'm seeing his power increase over these days. And we're living in days of signs and wonders where God is saying to his people, come and join with what I'm doing. I'm at work right now all over the world. And he's at work. Trust me, I've seen him do the most incredible things, uh, most amazing, wonderful things. And and people are just tripping over themselves to give their life to Jesus. I've been, since the beginning of October, I have been in, um, I've been home for about four days. Started off in California, uh, then went, then flew over to Hawaii, and then from Hawaii flew back to uh, Los Angeles, which in itself is a five and a half hour flight. And then, um, and I was tired, you know, we had a conference there in Hawaii. And as I flew back after five and a half hours, it was like about 10.30 at night. And we had to get an Uber driver to take, take me to my son-in-law's home in Yorba Linda, where he's living uh, he, um, with um, my daughter-in-law, who he, he married three years ago. And they have a house there in Yorba Linda. And uh, I, I am a, a, an introvert, a shy introvert. I know it sounds a little bit odd that, that God should call an evangelist who's an introvert, but I've discovered that he's pretty smart. He knows what he's doing. But when I was so tired at 10.30 at night, you know, my introversion level is really high, meaning I don't want to talk to anybody. I want to hide. I want to go home and I want to go to sleep. And at 10.30 at night, this Uber driver was a chatty Uber driver. I mean, who's wide awake at 10.30 at night? And he, and he says, uh, so, uh, so where have you been? Where have you? I thought, oh, no, we've got one of these guys. Just hoping for someone to be quiet. You know, Hawaii. Hi, what were you doing in Hawaii? I was at a conference. Hi, what kind of conference was it? I thought, this will keep him quiet. It was a conference about the Holy Spirit. Oh, tell me about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and I mean, this conversation was going on, and I, and I was looking for cameras. I thought this Uber driver had a camera, and I was being set up. And honestly, this conversation, went on. I couldn't believe how this conversation was going. And if I was to translate to you, 
and interpret exactly what he was asking. With each question, it was this. Tell me about Jesus. Tell me about Jesus. Tell me about Jesus. Tell me about Jesus. So this conversation was getting deeper and deeper. And he says, oh, yeah, well, you know, my, my mother has, has, um, you know, has faith. And she talks about a presence. I said, that's the Holy Spirit. And she has a best friend who almost died. And she talks about seeing angels. That's God's holy angels. She says, um, I have a Bible in the car. <laughs> I went, mm-hmm. He says, I'm reading a book right now. I said, oh, yeah, what book's that? He kind of shuffles down the side. And he pulls it out, pass it behind. It's a book by Rick Warren. I thought, all right, Lord. The only way I'm going to get some rest is I'm going to have to share the gospel with him and lead him to Jesus. That's got to be the only way. So as I'm talking to him, there's some words for knowledge for him, which he was amazed about. And I, and then I, and I shared the gospel with him. And I said, you, do you want to receive Jesus? He went, yes, I do. I said, great. I said, we're, all, we're like halfway home. I thought, this is great. I'm going to lead him to Jesus. And there's going to be silence in the car. <laughs> and so I said, right, I'm going, to, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. He went, oh, hold on a moment. He went, this is serious, isn't it? <laughs> I said, mm-hmm. He said, I'm nervous. This is a big decision. And then he starts asking me question after question after question about what it means to follow Jesus and about having a relationship with him. And I kept talking with him and sharing with him. He said, well, that's a big decision. And then eventually we pulled up outside my son's home. And he switched the engine off and he said, okay, I'm ready. And right there and then, I led him into a relationship with Jesus. Oh, it's amazing. It's wonderful. A people who are dying to hear about Jesus. And God would use like, you know, a grumpy introvert like me. It's just amazing. Everywhere we go, and I'm seeing the signs and wonders of God. And honestly, everywhere I go, we're seeing people just wanting to know about Jesus. And the Lord confirming his word with signs and wonders following. Now, in the early days, I've, I've written this in a book. I'm going to share the story with you. That, um, you know, as a young Christian, I, when I first got saved, when the Lord rescued me, I couldn't read this this. Bible enough because it was a way of getting to know God and I want to know everything about him. I'd be reading the Bible to two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning until my eyes couldn't stay open any longer and I suddenly found myself asleep. I'd wake up in the morning and my Bible was open on the pillow and I'd pick it up and I'd continue reading from where I had left off. Just wanted to read about, the Bible's upside down there, reading about Jesus and, and, and what he did. And the Bible says that he went around doing good and healing all that were under the power of the devil. And I saw the signs and the wonders and the miracles that he did, how he healed the sick. And how he was saying to his disciples, come follow me. And he was showing his disciples a model, a beautiful way. And he's saying, you do, do what I, you're going to do. Not only will you do what I've been doing, you're going to do greater things than, than this. And, and we see him laying down his majesty because Jesus is fully God and fully man. And showing the disciples how and have intimacy with the Father, he often withdrew to lonely places to pray. And he was showing total liberation out of intimacy with the Father. He's saying, this is the way. This is the way, follow me. And he went and he spent time with the Father. And I think he was homesick. I think he just wanted to breathe in the pure oxygen of heaven. Just imagine that, that God has come out of heaven, out of purity, a place of no, no pollution. I mean, absolute, utter beauty and perfection beyond your imagination. Our limited, our limited capacity cannot contain heaven. This mortal frame that God's put us in cannot contain the reality of heaven. <laughs> Can't contain it. 
our sensory perception, which God gave us, gave us this body, and all our sensory perception is alive to this world, this physical world, because we wouldn't be able to exist without it, doesn't have the capacity to fully experience all that God has yet. One day we'll have a new body that is not subject to decay. And we'll have a mind. We'll be just like him, knowing everything. We'll understand. All the things that, we've, that we had a question mark on, we'll understand. And we'll realize that not only is God, God is really good, he is like perfect in all these ways. Even when we're like little children, can't understand why. And, and you know... Excuse me a moment. (laughs) I'm completely lost. (laughs) I have no idea where I am. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) Praise God. (laughs) What on earth was I talking about? Exactly what on earth? My mind's in heaven, you see. (laughs) Who can tell me what I was talking about? I know I was. (laughs) The Uber driver, we've done that bit. We're going to have a lot of fun here today, I can tell. Now, I have a flight to catch, okay, later on. The Lord's going to do some amazing things. His presence is in here. Already, God is touching people in this room. Because his kingdom is here. (laughs) I want to tell you a story. Uh, my mind is so full of stories. But yeah, so Jesus is, is trying to demonstrate and teach his disciples. The Lord is fully man and fully God. He went to be with the Father. He wants intimacy with the Father. He's homesick. That's what I think. He's like, I want to breathe in the pure oxygen of heaven. I want to be in that atmosphere, that environment. And when he's there with the Father, he comes out and he's clothed of compassion. He's filled with the Spirit and he's led by the Spirit. Power is coming out of his body. And the way that he ministers... You know, it's fluid, it's creative, happens anywhere, anytime, and in the way of his choosing. There are people bumping into Jesus. Can you imagine walking down those narrow streets? You have no idea who Jesus is. This is crowd, and suddenly you bump into him, and you find yourself healed. (laughs) Uh, Wonderful. And Jesus is saying, just follow me. Always comes out of intimacy with the Father before anything else. Relationship. Breathing in the pure oxygen of heaven. Living with the Lord always before you. Always present. You, you're seated with Jesus right now. Did you know that? You're 24 7 in the presence of the Father. Seated with Jesus. You've been raised up into heavenly places. You know Heaven's your home. That's why I feel, you know, so, so much of a, an alien on, in this world. I'm, I'm, like a, I'm like a nomad. <laughs> I really feel like a nomad. There's no place here that satisfies me. If you've seen what heaven's like and what God has prepared for you, you'd be amazed. I used to be an interior decorating specialist. I used to decorate the homes of, of very wealthy people. I've seen the most opulent homes. But I've got to tell you this. It's like, it's not even, it's like, it's worse than monochrome. It's worse than monochrome. There are no colors to describe the colors in heaven. You know, so, so here's the thing. I had this dream vision. You know when Paul says whether I was in the spirit or not, I don't know. But I was up there somewhere. That's <laughs> all I can say. And I found myself in this incredible hallway. 
And I looked up and this hallway was like, it, had like, it was like a domed ceiling. But the ceiling was living. It was alive. It, it had blues. It was like a swimming pool kind of, you know, when the, when the water is it's moving like this and rays of, of light are going through the different layers of blue like this. Well, it's like that, but you can almost see forever. I mean, I could have stood there for the whole of eternity just looking at a ceiling in heaven, a ceiling. And that would have satisfied me. Like, I could have just gone, because it just goes on. Can't describe it. The walls are alive, opulent, it's beautiful, it's living. Colors that don't exist in this world. And I thought, whoever's decorated this place is the master of all decorators. I want to learn from him. And then there was this doorway. It was, it was tall and arched. I couldn't see a door on that. But if you've seen one of God's angels, you'll realize why the doors, the doors are so high. And I walked in, and there was another room, rectangular room, beautifully painted, beautifully decorated, opulent in every way. Alive, the colors are, are living, they're moving. And there on the right hand side, as I looked at the wall, there was a man dressed in white, white hair, and he's crouching down and he's painting. And I thought, this has got to be him. And I crept up behind him, and I'm so, I saw the, a wall that was blank, and I saw him make a movement of his hand like this and as he did that the wall came alive with with color and in that instant I knew that he was decorating this home for me this was my place and I went oh please teach me please teach me how to do that and he turned his he turned around and I couldn't see his face but I knew it was the Lord and he said a few things to me which I'm not going to share with you but heaven is an incredible place. So I'll just sew that one in. It's not what I wanted to tell you. But, but you know, in, in this gen, the, the thing is that Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. And he's inviting us to live the life of another world. So Jesus right now is seated on a throne of power and authority. Every sickness, every disease has been placed under his feet. I want to say that every condition you have here, physical, emotional, spiritual, has been dealt with 2,000 years ago on the cross. It was dealt with. And every sickness, every disease, no matter what it is, and there may be some things you have in your mind, well, Mark, what about this? It was dealt with at the cross. And now, he said, it is finished, and he rules and reigns. He's seated at the right hand of the Father on a throne of power and authority, and everything has been placed on his feet. Every sickness, every disease, every demonic force, every dominion, title, whatever you want to name it, has been placed on his feet. He rules and reigns there, but it's a place of peace and it's a place of rest. It is finished. And God has raised us up with Jesus and seated us with him, we're told in Ephesians. The moment we believed in Jesus, the moment we received him, we became, he gave us the right to become children of God. We become a child of heaven. We're citizens of God's kingdom. We're heirs of God and co-heirs of Christ. We have a seat at the king's table. We can come and go whenever we like. What a privileged position, do you know? <laughs> the king's seeing this table. And you can just go and sit there right next to him. <laughs> Come and go whenever you want. And you've been seated with Jesus. And it's on the throne of power, of power and authority. And Jesus said, you're my ambassador. And you're my representative. An ambassador means you carry the authority of the kingdom. It means the very ground that you stand on represents the kingdom. The place that you sit right now is the place, the place of miracles. If you go to an embassy, if you go to the American embassy here, the moment you step into the embassy, you're standing on American soil. Is that right? Something like that. An ambassador represents the place that he has been sent from. So as ambassadors of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, whom you represent, 
The very ground that you stand on represents the kingdom of God. That's the place of miracles. It means no sickness or disease can exist there. Because there's no sickness and disease in heaven. And you leave behind, when you, when you get off that seat, when you're on public transport, you have public transport, Cambridge? What do you have? Okay, how about trains? Trams? Buses? Yeah, buses. Okay, let's say you get on a bus. You get on a bus, okay, and you manage to get a seat, because I don't know how busy they are. And then you leave that seat, right? You get off your stop, you get off. And when you leave that seat, you leave behind a residue, and I don't mean a stink. Because you, you're a carrier of divine presence, you leave behind a sense of the kingdom of God, his presence and his power. Anybody sitting in that seat that you've just sat in can be healed. You have no idea. Can be healed. Can encounter God. Can have the conviction of their need for God. God can speak to them. Anything can happen. Because you're a carrier of divine, you're a carrier of divine presence. You're a royal priesthood as well. Do you not know that the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you? One Corinthians six nineteen. Paul says, "Don't you know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who lives in you?" In the Old Testament, it was the job of the Levite priest to carry the Ark of the Covenant, and the Ark was the instrument through which God manifested His presence on earth. And wherever his presence went, the signs and wonders broke out. And when the priest carrying the ark of his presence stood into the river Jordan, that was in full flood, impossible to cross over, they stepped in and they stood firm. And as they stood firm, the river stopped flowing 40 miles upstream, but started to go up into outer space. Where they stood, they wouldn't have seen anything. The Israelites, I'm sure, would have gone, do you see anything? No, they're just, the priests are just standing in the river. That's it. Up to her ankles. Don't see, any, don't see any movement. But if you were sitting on the banks of the town of Adam, 40 miles upstream, can you imagine just sitting there, just watching the river go, the river Jordan go by, and suddenly the river goes, whoosh, up into outer space. And then the river starts to grow as it goes up and out. It's a sign and a wonder for everyone in the area to, to see that God was there. God had come. His people were there. And it would have taken time for the effects of the, because there's 40 miles of river still to go by. But as they stood firm in the river, eventually the, the water starts to go down. And as they stood firm, it enabled the Israelites to enter into the promises of God. You know, God said to Moses, it says actually in Exodus 33 verse 11, that God would meet with Moses face to face like a man would meet with a friend. Don't you want an encounter with God like that? I'm so hungry to be face to face with the Lord, have that face to face encounter. And, and Moses said to God, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us away from here. How will anyone know that you're pleased with us? What will distinguish me and your people from all the other pe- people on the face of the earth? And Moses was wise. He knew God's presence. He didn't want to go anywhere without God's presence. And he was having a daily encounter with God. Don't send us away from here unless your presence goes with us. And he was saying, how will anyone know where, where we belong to you and you're pleased with us? It's a good question to ask. What is it that distinguishes you from any other religion? What marks you out as different? And in Exodus 33, verse 14, God says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Now, now you are a royal priesthood. And the Holy Spirit of God is, lives within you. Do you know what that means when the Holy Spirit is in you? If, you? if only God would give you that one revelation, not only would your lives change, but everything around you. Miracles start breaking out. And right now, you know, when you begin to have a revelation of who you are and what your identity and, and 
that you're a child of heaven, a citizen of God's kingdom. You're an ambassador for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That Jesus says, here are the keys to the kingdom. And he gives them to you. Keys represent authority. Whatever you bind on earth, I will bind in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, I will loose in heaven. He's saying, when you begin to speak to the mountain, when you take authority over that sickness, when you take the authority over that demonic force, when you take, a, take a authority over situations and begin to exercise the authority I've given you, I'm going to back it up from heaven. When you begin to understand that, and it's like a kingdom explosion of truth, people around you get healed. <laughs> people around you get delivered. So if, so if you're getting healed right now where you're sitting, it's because somebody next to you is getting a revelation of who they are in Christ. When Jesus was raised back to life, he appeared 40 days with the disciples, teaching them about the kingdom. And of course, you know the story when, they, when he ascended to heaven, Peter and John went to heal the, went to the temple to worship God. They had a spring in there. So I, I can imagine, I can't wait to be with God's people. Can't wait to worship God. They've seen the resurrected Lord. They've seen him. They know it's all true now. There's not a shred of doubt in their mind. And here's a crippled beggar wanting gold. He says, silver and gold I, d- I don't have. But what I have, I give to you. The Lord wants his people to know what it is we've been given. And the very next breath begins to exercise the authority that they know they've been given in Jesus. Jesus has given you authority. You're a carrier of divine presence. The Holy Spirit lives in you. That's God. It's not a created being living inside of you. It's God, the Holy Spirit, holy, holy, holy spirit of God lives inside of you. So I want to tell you a story. I haven't been able to tell you a story. I've got to tell you a story from the book. Have I got time? And then we're going to pray. Okay. So I'm learning... I'm kind of stumbling forward into truth, learning about the Lord, how he heals. You know, what I, what I found is this. When, you know, we have, um, when, when it came to healing, we have different ways of um, categorizing healing. Anyway, I'll come to that in a moment. But here's a story. I was in Kingsheath. Many years ago, I was in Kingsheath in Birmingham. Anyone know Kingsheath? Okay, it's, um, it's a park. And what happened was that we were going to, um, I was training up this church. And then we were going to Kingsheath to do some uh, reaching out from uh, the park. We had a, a, a ring of stalls in the park and once a year there's a carnival that comes into the park and um, it's like there's floats and music and all kinds of things and thousands of people come and there's a ring of stalls that people in the town can book a stall and they can show their business or their hobby they can sell whatever they want from the stalls and we were meant to uh, hire one of the stalls and then do our evangelism from there and this was, this was the, the main event. So we came to this day, to the Saturday, and we went out to find our stall. Somebody forgot to book the stall. Now, can you imagine how we felt when there's no stalls, all the stalls are taken, and we've been, this is what we've been planning to do. And um, so we asked the organizers if we could do our, you know, our outreach from inside the stalls. And then said, we're really sorry, but everything's... Uh, booked and because of health and safety you can't do that but if you want to set up outside the ring of stores you can do that so we did that but we were in no man's land you know there's nobody there all the public are inside the stores they're they're walking around waiting for the carnival to come and end up in the center of the stores and so while we're there and I looked at this small group of Christians who I've been training over the weekend and they looked a sorry bunch. Have you seen what discouraged Christians look like? They had mouths like horseshoes, you know, like this. So discouraged, they're thinking, we've really blown this. We should, you know, pack up and go home. Nothing's going to happen here. Do you know the enemy wants to discourage you when you go out? I've learned that, but never be discouraged. In fact, when you, when you sense discouragement, that's, that means 
You're in the place of fruitfulness. Okay? That's what it shows. So, um, and I, saw, I said, okay, let's, um, let's set up anyway, we're here. So I got, anyway, back in those days, everything was really raw. I'm still learning how to do this. But I got a board and I put up on the board, I painted in big, colorful poster painted letters, miracles and healing here. I put a time, 1.30, Jesus heals. Okay. And I, and you know, why we were doing this, and then we had some people beginning to share stories. Uh, we did all kinds of things from there. And there was someone on a stall closest to us, and they were heckling us. You know a heckler? And that just made our discouraged Christians even more discouraged. They were really a sorry-looking bunch. And we carried on anyway, but there are people, as they're walking around, they're looking at the board, and they're pretending not to be interested. Have you seen people when they pretend not to be interested? <laughs> but because there's a time on the board, they're looking at the watches like this. They're kind of looking down at the stool, and they're glancing up, and they're going. <laughs> and the time was coming, and then eventually it was time. And I got the microphone, and I began to preach, and I began to tell people about God's love, God's presence, God's power, I began to preach and declare Jesus that he had died on the cross and began to share the gospel. And then I said, now, if you're sick and you need healing, please come. We're going to pray for you. Now, this wasn't the refined version of healing on the streets that we have now, where there's a banner and chairs. This was very raw. And um, so I made the appeal, and everybody is on the other side of the stalls, right? We are in no man's land. And nobody moved. So I thought, being the man of faith I was back in those days, I would declare, I, I would call a condition out. And that condition, I would name a condition and someone, someone I know is going to respond to it that I felt. So, so I said, now, okay, I'm, I'm going to call out some conditions. If you are deaf, come. After a little while, I realized what I'd asked. I went. <laughs> so then I thought, okay, let's, let's start at the easy end of the scale. All right? So I thought, I'll start naming conditions. And we all have the scale. Like, it's like down this end of the scale, it may be a headache, right? Easy, some pain, you know, migraines, some rheumatism, a bit of arthritis, some skin conditions, you know, eczema, psoriasis, fibromyalgia, getting increasingly difficult in our range, depending on which, you know, everyone's slightly different, to maybe some, you know, deafness, blindness, crippling disease, mental illness, um, cancer, missing limbs, death. So easy... Difficult, very difficult, if not impossible. All right. But always starting off at this end of the scale. So I started calling out conditions. If you have a headache, please come. We'll pray for you right now. Nobody moved. If you have any kind of pain in your body, come right now. Nobody moves. Any rheumatism, come. And every time nobody, every time nobody responded, I got bolder. I said, if you have cancer, come. If you have some crippling disease, paralysis, come. And I, and I started getting more, you know, and I went through the whole list of every, every condition I could think of. And then when, when nobody came, I, think I started making up some conditions that don't exist. <laughs> and then and I looked, and in a corner of my eye over here, I just glanced, I saw this couple pushing a woman, a large woman, in a wheelchair towards me. And instantly, panic began to rise up in my heart. I turned my back to her like this, and I thought, I hope she's not coming here. And I looked, and they're making a beeline for me. So I'm having a little debate with the Lord. Lord, this isn't fair. Lord, we don't do it this way. You know, we start off headache first, and then we've got to work our way up. We've got to work our way up in faith. We've got to muster some faith up, and then we'll get to the difficult ones, if not impossible ones. But Lord, this isn't fair. I thought, maybe if I ignore them completely, 
They'll just walk by. Just don't look. Okay? Just... If there, was any, if there was some sand, I would have stuck my head in it. Anyway, they came and they, put, they parked the wheelchair right in front of me. I mean, it just wasn't fair. There wasn't even a tree to hide behind. Came right there. Mm-hmm. And he said, we're Christians and we believe, we heard you, and we believe that Jesus can heal our mother. She's, she's been paralyzed for 12 years. Could you please pray for her? I went, okay. I laid my hand gently on her head. Do you know, it, it has a, a strange effect outside the building when you put your hand on someone to pray for them. Because the moment I put my hand on top of her head, people on the other side of no man's land went, huh? As if, is he crazy? What does he think is going to happen here? And I began to invite the Holy Spirit to come, gently praying. And the Holy Spirit gently began to rest and then she began to tremble. And then she began to shake a little bit more and the shaking increased. And then the shake increased even more. And then the whole, uh, she, she, she was shaking and the, the wheelchair was shaking. It was like an old car engine starting up. And she was shaking like this. And suddenly she said, I want to walk, I want to walk. And I said, wonderful, get up and walk. And some of the team went round and stuck their arms under her armpit to lift her out of the wheelchair. And I said, no, no, please don't do that. Because I had a horrible thought in my mind. And the thought was they would, they would lift this, this woman out of the wheelchair and her poor lifeless legs would be dragged in the grass and they'd be saying, you're healed, you're healed. And I never ever wanted to see that. I said, I, you know, I could not bear to see that. I said, either Jesus has healed this woman or he hasn't. I said, please, please, please don't touch her. I said, the Lord, if the Lord has healed her, he can give her strength in her legs. I said, get up and walk. And the woman, unaided, totally unaided, got out of the wheelchair and she began to walk. And hundreds of people, hundreds came running. If you, want, if you want a crowd, an instant crowd, all you need is some signs and wonders of God. Signs that make people wonder. Because they ran and we had a crowd of hundreds and they're asking how, what? And the couple who had brought their mother said, this is our mother, she was paralyzed, Jesus has healed her. She's walking up and down completely healed. A woman comes out of the crowd. She has a very loud voice. She says, I've, I heard what you had to say. I've just seen what's happened. I want to become a Christian now. And that was the woman that was heckling us from the stall. So when we see heckler, the Lord says evangelist. Right? You say, hmm, heckler. But the Lord's going, Evangelist. And I sent my colleague to lead her to Jesus. He didn't touch her. I took the microphone and said, uh, now folks, if you see people fall over, please don't be concerned. It's only God. <laughs> How crazy does that sound? And the reason I said that was because the signs and wonders of God in the street were incredible. I would see bodies diving onto the pavements, people getting delivered, bodies falling all over the place. I've been in a street where, where a policeman and policewoman walked by on a street, a pavement full of the general public laid out under the power of God. And they went, I haven't seen anything, I haven't seen anything, I haven't seen anything. And I didn't know what, quite what to do, what to say to the public. I said, um, it's only God. So if anything happens, don't, be, don't panic. Anyway, no sooner had I said that, this woman who's being led to Jesus, as she's being led to Jesus, goes, in the grass. And everyone goes, huh. And she gets up. She goes, I can see. And what had happened was she was born colorblind in one of her eyes. And then God gave her technicolor as she was being led to Jesus. Isn't that cool? I think that's a cool and I said, and I'm getting really bold now. I said, okay, if you need healing, come. And a man straight away, without hesitation, came. He said, I have arthritis in my body. Can Jesus do something for me? I said, yes, he can. 
I laid my hand on his head. I said, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over arthritis. I command it to go right now. He fell to the grass. Everyone goes, hmm. His bones start to crack. He gets up weeping. He said, all my pain is gone. Praise God. His, daughter, his, his sister-in-law comes over. And she's weeping. She says, that's my brother-in-law. And I have the same condition as my brother-in-law. Can God do the same for me? I said, absolutely. I touched her on the head. She fell to the grass. Now, I don't, you know, I have no idea what the Lord's going to do. It's not saying, well, this word. But he was doing this as a sign and a wonder. She fell to the grass. She got up weeping. She's totally healed. And when that happened, by that time, I could not see any Christians in the crowd. Because it was just members of the public pressing in, wanting prayer. And I got the mic and said, Christians, where are you? Have you ever seen what an encouraged Christian looks like? (laughs) Faces popped out of the crowds like light bulbs. (laughs) Bing, bing. I said, okay, take, take these folk and pray for them and tell them about Jesus. And I know that God has a sense of humor. Because there was a fairground ride. In the other side, which was now no man's land. And it was one ride. It was a waltz. It's like a chariot you sit in and, you know, it goes around, spins around. And it goes around on a big disc. And it hits a bump and it spins. You know one of those fairground rides? It's one of those. And the man who was operating that ride thought he was in competition with us. Because now we had all the public. And he had no one there. So I'll never forget when we sent the, the team out to pray. That he turned the music right up. And I'll never forget the song that came on. You could not make this up. It was a song by Queen. I can't sing, but it went something like this. Another one bites the dust. Another one bites the dust. And another one falls. And another one falls. Another one bites the dust. And all over the park to the beat. Boom, boom, boom. Another one bites the dust. Bodies were falling. Another one bites the dust. There's, there's a line that says, I'm going to get you too. Another one bites the dust. People going, what's going on? And, and that whole afternoon was an afternoon of signs and wonders. Where people queued, wanting to know more about Jesus and what had happened. Nothing is impossible for God. Yeah. But what God was showing me out of all of that, and I'll finish with this and we're going to pray, is that I thought, we'll start off here. I mean, which is easier? For a headache to be healed? Or for a missing limb to grow back? Well, actually, both are impossible unless God steps in. With God, all things are possible. And the same power that causes a headache to go is the same power that can cause a limb to grow back. The hindrance is here between our ears because of logic and rational thinking, which we're kind of in a city that's very well known for that, and science, which I have no... I love science. I love the way that science just reveals more the glory of God. But in God's kingdom, when his kingdom comes, everything is possible. And the perspective Jesus was saying to me, no, 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 that is wrong. That is a worldly perspective of healing. The cross, the perspective of the cross says I dealt with all of it. Everything you're ever likely to encounter was dealt with. It happened 2,000 years ago. It says in Peter, by his wounds you were, past tense, healed. It happened 2,000 years ago. So when you come, and re- come to receive healing today, you must realize that it happened. In Isaiah 53 verse 4, it says there, surely, the word surely means without doubt. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. But we considered him smith- smitten of God. But the whole passage of scripture shows that Jesus died, not just, that prophetic word, not just for our sins, but for every sickness and every disease. Surely means without doubt. 
He took it, and Isaiah 53 is an incredible prophecy. 750 years before Jesus walked the earth, that he would die for our sins. By his wounds, we are healed. By his wounds. He's done it already. And so when we come to pray, you must know that he's done it. He paid the price completely. Every sickness, every disease. And when Jesus was teaching, you know, where he said to the disciples about the the mountain, he said to them, Isaiah... um, Mark chapter 11, verse 22, 23. And after that, he said, And when you stand to pray, believe that you've received, and it will be yours. But if you hold anything against anyone, like a grudge, forgive them so that your heavenly Father may forgive you your sins. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. If you want to receive, first of all, believe that you've received. And healing, the way healing comes, it can come instantly. It can come gradually, which is the most common way. The Bible says a believer, hands up if you're a believer. That's you. We lay hands on the sick, the sick shall recover. The word recover or get well signifies a period of time. So sometimes people are healed instantly and we say, Jesus has healed you. Sometimes it's gradual and we say, Jesus is in the process of healing. It's the most common way. And the third way is where there's no sign of healing at all. And if there's no sign, I mean absolutely zilch. Then we say to that person, this doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. It doesn't mean you're not going to be healed. You can be healed as you go. It can happen instantly, gradually. You can wake up tomorrow and find yourself healed. We've seen that happen so many times. But, and if there is no change, you keep pressing in. That when Jesus teaches us how to pray, he says, keep asking, keep knocking until the door is open. You don't stop. It's persistence, it's boldness, but believing that he dealt with it already. It's dealt with. And, and so what we're looking for is a manifesta- manifestation of the truth of the fact that 2,000 years ago it was dealt with. Healing, anytime you see healing today, even a small glimpse of it is the promise of what's to come. Because in heaven there is no sickness. Right? So when I see someone healed, I go, thank you, Lord. Because I know that in heaven there's no pain, there's no disease. No more aches or pains. No more sorrow. It's going to be amazing. Amen? Praise God. Let's close our eyes. Thank you for listening. And we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.